Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is March 7th, 2016, and this is episode 154. My name is Jake English, and I'm here, as always, riding on the coattails of Scott Magnus. If you're listening to my voice right now, it's most likely that you found us on our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also find us at the Baltimore Sports Report Network, which can be found at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. And this show also appears with many other great podcasts on baseballtalkradio.com. You can get the show on all sorts of third-party platforms, including Stitcher, Miro, Double Twist, and iTunes. And please, if you listen to this show on any one of those, make sure that you stop, take a moment, and rate and review the show. It really helps us. You can catch us on social media. We're in all sorts of places like uh, Google Plus and Facebook. But uh, the best place to find us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. Lastly, we want to remind you right here at the top to tune in on the 3rd of April, the day before opening day. Birdland Radio will be a collection of different local podcasts uh, getting excited about baseball. So make sure that you check that out. You can find all the details over at birdlandradio.com. Scotty, it's that time. It's the most important time of the week. What is your drink of the week? Jake, I am uh, embracing spring. Yes, I am ready for it to come. 70-degree weather coming in Baltimore this week. Jake, I've gone into the fruit realm. I've gone and gone to San Diego, to Bayless Point, and dropped a little pineapple into my beer. I'm going with their Pineapple Sculpin, which is a IPA with a tint of pineapple flavor. And what do you think? Meh, it's, it's okay. It's not great. I mean, it's not as good as like their grapefruit or anything like that. I mean, that's a quality beer. I mock you, sir. Yes. I mock you for stooping to putting fruit in your beer. At least it's not a lime and a Corona. I am drinking a respect. No, I'm not drinking a respectable beer. I uh, purchased a Rebel Grapefruit IPA from Sam Adams. Sam mm. Adams is apparently getting into the fruit your beer phenomenon. That seems familiar. Uh, yeah. I saw it last week. I, I almost did it, but I, I pulled the trigger on. You the- saw the shiny label, and you said on the Birdland instead. Um, I'm gonna say I'm not a fan of this beer. Not a fan of Boston. Not a fan of the. Not a fan of grapefruit IPA. Mm. Usually, that's my uh, that's my jam. But that's your go to. Mm. Not this one. Okay. Let us know what you are drinking for your drink of the week. You can find us on Untapped. You can find me at Jake E four zero two five, and you can follow me at M E G N eight six zero six on Untapped. Well, with that, Scotty, we should uh, we should probably get down to serious business. Serious business. It's time for. The medical wing. Time for your checkup, time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you grow. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heart, fix you up, 
Oh, I'm just going to let that roll. If you're looking for me to talk, no, I forget that we do this every week, and it makes me laugh every time. I'm the only listener of this program that enjoys this song right now. Unless there's somebody else out there that really likes Doc McStuff. And if so, <laughs> uh, let us know, because... Um, well, we want to mock you to a certain regard. All right. So the Orioles are playing spring training games. They're they're running. They're stretching. They're lifting. They're swinging. They're throwing, which, of course, means that almost all of them are hurt. Uh, here's what we know. All right. Chris Tillman had that hip flexor or whatever situation. Apparently, he's no longer experiencing pain. He is scheduled to throw later this week, and we will see if he survives his trip to the mound. Yeah, he's been doing bullpen sessions, too, and everything looks like everything is doing okay. I guess as long as he's not walking, he'll be in that good shape. The big news— No, he'll be issuing the walks. Yeah. The big— oh. ooh, ouch. The big issue, of course, is swinging Jimmy with his hurt wrist. Jimmy Paredes, we hardly knew ye. You paraded off the 40-man roster and on to the 60-man, or the, the, the DL. DL, yeah. 60-day DL, probably. Well, I don't know if it's going to be 60-day DL, but... You think that the wrist, the broken, the fracture of his wrist is going to be a 15-day? It's a, it's a sprain. It's a sprain. Oh, I thought there was a microfracture. My uh, bad. Uh, and big news for you, Brian Mattis, lower back injury. But Buck is encouraged. He thinks he's they've basically worked around this, and Brian Mattis is going to be back to normal. Look, I loathe Brian Mattis, but I'm not going to throw the hate on him in spring. He could very well have a good year in the bullpen for us. I reserve judgment. However, he will fall into the specter of my judgment the moment that he makes a mistake. And at least we've got T.J. McFarland to fall back. So T.J. McFarland uh, had some elbow tenderness. X-ray. Look, he's a tender guy. Yeah, he's a tender guy. Love me tender. He, anybody that has a mustache like that on a regular basis... Man. He's a tender guy. He, he keeps shaving it off, so he gets negative points for me for that. But X-ray came back negative. Or is going to go get an MRI? We'll see what it comes back. But really, Stephen J. McFarland, who really cares? In all honesty, if, that, if TJ McFarland is going to make or break your season, your season was already broken as it is. Apparently, the Orioles have some guy in camp named Ozzy Martinez. Apparently, he plays for Bowie last year, and he hurt his head. Yeah, they ran and collided with each other. Um, kind of a nasty play, but eh, who cares? Really. I mean, Bowie, Bowie. Um, with that insightful information, let's go to 140 characters or less this week on the Twitters. This week, I'm super, super excited about this tweet. And it comes to us from Jason Garcia, a, a pitcher for perhaps your Baltimore Orioles or your Norfolk, Norfolk Tides, Tides, depending on yeah. whose side you're on. Norfolk Tides. Here, he, tweets, he, he might actually care about Ozzy Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> he tweets at Jason Garcia underscore 61 loses points from me because he has his number in his handle. And that is just a terrible, terrible idea. All right. So the tweet is as follows. Hashtag Jobu here and ready for baseball to start today. Hashtag Serrano. Jason Garcia has Jobu set up in his locker. And it is amazing that, that's that's pretty good i do enjoy that very much there is an there is a picture in the tweet you can check it out on our website um in the show notes it's it's there uh under this week on the on the twitters look we really appreciate everyone that listens to the show but really there's there's certain kind of people that understand who we are and this goes out to they get us yeah they get us this goes out to dylan atkinson you can follow him at d atkins ou he writes for orals uncensored that's what the ou's for yeah, I never take at Bird's Eye View BAL seriously. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you for finally someone listening to us about 
This is your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Don't take us seriously. Now, he was responding to a tweet from Jabby Burns, who was, ta- who was mocking people that have joint accounts with their spouses. Oh, yeah, that's us. So, so Dylan was not only taking a shot at us, he was taking a shot at our love, Scott. Well, some people just can't appreciate some good man love. Next, we're gonna we're gonna walk right from man love directly into the arms of Ken Rosenthal. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, who tweets at Ken underscore Rosenthal, make sure that you have the little blue check because there are lots of fake Kens out there. Yeah, but Ken would never let me down with this tweet. The tweet is as follows: Source colon. That's how you know it's important. Oh, source. Jackson chose hashtag White Sox partly out of desire to play center field rather than left field. Hashtag Angels offered more money, but obviously not center field. They offered $1 million more. Mm. $6 million versus $5 million. It comes back to the question that I raised on the last broadcast, which I said, the Orioles should go out and get Austin Jackson for $8 million. Would $8 million and that $3 million difference been enough to get him into a corner outfield position? Here's my question. Yeah. What about Jimmy John's sandwiches? Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess he didn't have the clever enough name for a sandwich to tell Dan Duquette on the uh, on the dating game. So, you know what that that rumor about Austin Jackson? Yeah, that was word on the street, was it? But my question is, what's the word on our street? Let's find out. All right, now we are joined by a man who needs no introductions, but since he's one of the first friends of the program, he'll get one anyway. Derek Arnold is a senior editor at Russell Street Report and Utah Street Report. In addition to his awesome written material over at utahstreetreport.com, he is the creative force behind their Twitter Twitter handle, which is at Utah Street Report. And if you love Baltimore, beer, sports, and dogs, his personal account is also worth a follow. And Nickelback. (laughs) Nickelback. You can check him out at Be More Bird's Nest. Derek, thanks so much. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. Jake, Scott, what's up, boys? It's been too long. I think the last time I saw you guys, you were actually speaking of beer. You were buying me beers uh, on the upper deck for my birthday. That's right. That's yep, right. That, that sounds about right. So, Derek, what did you think about that Motown rendition of Nickelback? Um, I appreciate you digging that up for me and having all the listeners already have a bad taste in their mouth before I even say a word. So I appreciate that. They're Orioles fans. They're used to bad uh, bad taste in their mouths. Well, let's wash that bad taste out of your mouth. Derek, you're a uh, an aficionado of the beer uh, type, yeah, if you will. Connoisseur, yes. Uh, what's your drink of the week for the for this week? I enjoy libation. Um, my drink of the week. I'm currently enjoying a bulletproof tiger by Burley Oak. It is described as an imperial pale ale. Uh, Burley Oak, a wonderful brewery down in Berlin, Maryland. Uh, if you've never been there, I highly encourage you. Next time you're down the ocean, take a little twenty minute detour over to Burley Oak. Awesome place. Great people. Great beer. And that's the little Burley Oak plug. All right. Well, let's get serious. Let's get down to the most important matter right now, which is on everybody's minds, and that's spring training and how important it is. So the Orioles are zero and seven and one. So they got that one tie to basically break their entire record in the Grapefruit League. 
Um, so are we going to book another 0-21 start to open the season just like in uh, 1988, right? Is that what's going to happen, Derek? It's funny. I remember that one tie. Remember, it was like 4-1 Orioles in like the seventh inning. And we're yeah. like, all right, we're, we're going to get that first win off that here real quick. And that was over a week ago. Here we are still waiting for a win to happen. Um, it's funny. Like, it's always nice. It's like an annual tradition to be reminded that these games don't count. But isn't it a little bit more fun when your team's like running roughshod through the Grapefruit League at 10-0 and and you have to do the naysayers, oh, these games don't even count, rather than what we're dealing with right now, um, you know, <laughs> all the Nancy's with the sky is falling. And, yeah, it's a good time to uh, win a game, hopefully. It's so much easier to deal with trying to bring people down from being excited about Jake Fox than it is to bring people up for being uh, worried about one of your, your starters that say – hasn't gotten a hit yet in uh, in spring training. Let, right. Let will, me, will Kim get hit first, or will the team win a game first? That's sort of what, what we're watching for at the moment. Yes. I think the answer is yes. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this. As fans, what should we be looking for in spring training results? Um, well, I think most, most level-headed fans, which are, of course, most of the ones that we deal with on our, our – uh, Facebook and Twitter accounts. <laughs> they know you're funny. <laughs> they all know to look and see. All right, how did Kevin Gossman pitch today? How did Ubaldo pitch today? Not oh, the O's were up four to nothing after Gossman left, and then they lost thirteen to four. Oh my God, bullpen's terrible. Take a look at the box score. Like I saw the other day, like there was like five or six unearned runs because Steve Tollison like made more errors than he has fingers on his hands. Like, those are the things you have to kind of look at and say, all right, well, they lost today, but did the starters play at all? Was it a split squad? The stars that did play, how'd they do? I mean, and for a lot of people, it's not even worth going through all that because, again, it's a spring training game and these games don't matter. But if, if you really want to be a discerning fan and, you know, take from the games the things that do matter, you have to sort of dig into the box score, dig into the game log and, see, you know, which players that mattered, what did they do? Well, I just learned that Steve Tollison only has two fingers, so. <laughs> I, it was only three errors? It was three errors, yeah. Okay, my mistake. <laughs> I, had some, I had some proof tiger that day. So. Okay, that's fine. But I still think it's funny to have Steve Tollison only have two fingers. <laughs> here's here's something I don't. How, how else do you explain four errors or whatever? <laughs> he, he better not have a full, full hand he's dealing with. I mean, he's Mark Trumbo in right field, basically. Ay, ay, ay. Triples, nonstop triples. Nonstop triples, yes. No errors. Here's something I don't understand. I don't understand when it comes to the spring, the things that matter versus the things that don't matter. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make that make sense. Oh, oh, I can answer this. Right, question. right now I have yet to see uh, any games televised. Right, so I, I've listened to uh, a couple innings of. Yeah, I've, I've listened to a couple innings and a couple games. I've read the box scores, as you've indicated. But the thing is, it's awfully tough for us as fans to know the difference between an honest effort when, say, a pitcher gets shellacked versus an effort where a pitcher's going into that situation to try to figure out if his curveball is working. Right, you know, right. Or, or work. What's getting his work in? Right. I'm going to I'm going to throw my change up today until I get a really good feel for it, regardless of the fact that I'm going to put up three runs on the board in an inning where maybe I would throw something else in a different situation. It's also tough to look at at the hitters and say, "Wow, player A crushed the ball today." 
without knowing if the other pitchers are doing that. You know, if the opposition is working on that fastball location or right. something of that matter. Like, it's it's hard to say without seeing the game what matters and what doesn't. And I also wonder, as a fan, if I would even notice the difference. I mean, I think the one thing coming back to this whole thing that we've talked about in previous spring trainings is there are certain things you can notice. Like, for example, when Obaldo Jimenez came out for his first start, he was basically throwing 91, 92 mile per hour fastballs and really wasn't throwing the curveball and really wasn't throwing the splitter and really wasn't mixing up his pitches. And it was we've talked about in this podcast. Obaldo Jimenez does an excellent job of basically choosing pitch selection and basically mixing up so that the batter actually is guessing. And that first start, there was nothing like that. It was fastball, 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 and just trying to get command um, of of his pitches at that point. Uh, and I think, you know, that comes back to the important aspect. We don't need to be so much looking at how many runs did a pitcher give up, how many hits did a pitcher give up, but we need to be more looking at the command. And the easiest way you can look at commands is looking at strikeouts and looking at walks. So if I'm looking at something for pitchers, there's three things I'm looking for pitchers. I'm looking at K percentage, I'm looking at walk percentage, and I'm looking at velocity. Those are the three things that make me interested in a pitcher at this time. Now, I'm going to put the caveat on there. I remember last year, there was a really interesting scenario where I said Brian Mattis had an excellent spring training coming out where he only had one walk, and he pitched like 12 or 13 innings. And I was like, if Brian Mattis is only giving up one walk in those 12 or 13 innings, Brian Mattis must be having some really good command, and maybe this is a bounce-back season for him. That was not the case. So you've got to take these with a grain of salt. Yes, some players may have decent results in these uh, areas, but it's not the end-all, be-all. You do have to rely on their body of work. The problem is when you have a player that doesn't have a body of work, such as Hunsu Kim. So let's go and talk about Hunsu Kim. Doesn't have a hit yet. Been up for 18 plate appearances. Um, there's been articles written about him. Thinks he's getting pushed. Um, he's really having a tough time adapting. He feels really bad about not being able to get on base. Um, he even after getting pulled out of spring training partially, he almost thought the team was mad at him to a certain regard, which I don't know how that's lost in translation. Uh, by the way, great movie. Definitely recommend it. Um, so I guess the question is, what do we take from Hunsu Kim and being over 18? What's the, what's the deal? Yeah. Um, I don't really know it. I like to think that it's mostly mental with him right now, where it's one of those things where once he, he finally finds himself standing on first base, he'll sort of relax and do a little bit better. Um, I haven't done this. I'd be curious to see what, um, Jung Ho Kong, what his name? Yeah. How he did. He did pretty poorly, actually. It was like 5 for 46, basically, what it was. So he had a very slow spring training as well uh, in terms of getting off the snide is the best way to describe it. So maybe not as bad as Kim has been so far, um, but certainly not a blockbuster spring training, um, all things considering. Yeah, I mean, you and I, uh, I think, are going to have a real hard time sort of imagining what it must be like to make the sort of transition that he's making right now. And it goes back to Jake's point, like maybe he gets in the box and these pitchers are throwing six or seven fastballs or curveballs or whatever they're working on in a row. And he's sort of in his own head because there's no real rhythm to him at bat. He has no idea what to look for. I mean, I'm obviously making excuses for the guy at the moment because I, we obviously have a big stake in him doing well, but we really don't know. I would say other than something to sort of laugh about right now, it's, you really can't put any stock in his stats, especially through one week of spring training. I'm really glad you used the word excuses because I, I struggle with this too. And, and my, my excuses feeling, with your wife. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> my feeling 
about Kim is that, you know, last year, I think it was Matt Wieters was, you know, oh, for February and March or whatever it was. He started out oh, right. 23, I think it was. And he has a track record for us to go back on. And I'm sure at the time we were really focused on Matt Wieters and what this means for the season. And it just ended up not being significant. But all we know of Kim right now is the fact that he signed for two years for seven million dollars and we really need him to play good right field and he's o for for spring training so far so i think that you're right uh one one easy response is to attack and say oh this is a mistake you know he's not major league ready if they had uh, other options out there in the outfield this would be a much easier thing for us to deal with and the other you know, natural reaction is to say, look, you know, give the guy a break. He's coming to the States for the first time. I, I think that the answer is probably somewhere in the middle of those things. Don't, don't you agree, Derek? Absolutely. As with, as with most things, when we talk about sports and you have a hot take on one side and a hot take on the other, the truth is usually somewhere in the creamy middle. Can we like, but honestly, if we're looking at the stats and he's been up there for a, a again, only 18 plate appearances. So we really can't make too much of an emphasis on this. But can't we just come back to the simple truth that he's just getting Babbitt to death right now? <laughs> I mean, you look at some of the plays that he had today, and you know there were hard shot balls, according to the media, and he's had to put a lot of contact on the ball. Jake, out of the 18 plate appearances, he's only had three strikeouts, which equates to be at right around to be about a 15% K percentage. You know, that's much better than, you know, Chris Davis, who's at 30%. And again, Kim is a slap hitter, so you've got to put it in perspective. But the fact that he's making contact with the ball... He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He's going to be a line drive hitter. I'm encouraged to see him basically be a line drive hitter, and basically he's eventually going to push past it. I do think it's interesting, though, that articles of ours are going to come out of saying that he's going to need to start to adapt to the shift, and I'm wondering how much the shift is really going to impact him if he's not able to spray it to the other side of the field. But I like a player that can have contact. It's a critical need for the Orioles to have contact hitters. We don't have a lot of contact hitters on this team. If Kim can even just be a contact hitter, eventually the ball is going to go into play just by the stoke of averages, basically. And Kim is going to have a decent batting average. I'm not sure if he's going to be a number one hitter or a number two hitter, but let things happen over time. It takes at least 50 plate appearances for things to balance itself out. It's rough to get off the plane in a new country and have one of those dragons attach itself to you. To you, just as soon as you step off the plane, you have to deal with the Babbitt dragon. Yeah, it's tough to deal with the Babbitt dragon. I'm not even going to scream Babbitt because you know it's just insulting to him. But you know, with this all this roster crunching and stuff like that, with Kim playing well less than we were expecting to, um, the outfield is certainly kind of in a flux right now. Nolan Reimold has been already been somewhat hurt to a certain regard. Henry Udia and Dario Alvarez pretty much look like they're terrible offensively. Um, I guess the question I have, Derek, is based off of everything that's going on right now, besides Adam Jones, who's your starting outfielders right now? <laughs> Isn't that a shame that once again we're sitting here in March wondering who Adam Jones and who will play in the outfield? It seemed like such such a good idea a couple of years ago when they let Nick Markakis walk, you know, for all the reasons that we heard so much. And then we had Travis Snyder come in he was going to be so good because Dan Duquette had a crush on him for years. and Just like David we Lowe. How, we all know how that turned out. Yeah. And you, now we're sitting here again. That's why I, I said earlier, you know, we all have such a stake in Kim being able to be an everyday player because, you know, what are the other options? You, you hear about, oh, well, 
maybe they'll trade for Jay Bruce. They had, they approached the Braves about trading for Nick Markstikas. Do any of us do any of us believe any of that's really going to happen? Mm, no, probably not. We're gonna have, we're gonna have Adam Jones and Humsu Kim and Nolan Rymold and Joey Rickard hanging out in the outfield, and let's roll the balls out there and see what happens. So you think the roster is set just the way it is? Um, I don't. I mean. Any big change that came in now would be a surprise and probably a pleasant one. Mm. What do you guys think? I mean, I think that the Orioles are going to want to make a move. Uh, I just don't know if there's going to be anyone out there that wants to make a move with the Orioles at this time. Do I think something could happen in May or June? Yeah, I think something could happen in May or June. But I don't think that there's going to be of anyone's significance coming to the Orioles like a Jay Bruce or Nick Markakis at this time. I think at best you're going to get some designated for a summon player or you're going to get someone that hits waivers once the season starts. But I don't think it's going to be of any one of significant note or acclaim is the best way to describe it. And, and I'm going to put a twist on an old favorite. They are who I'm afraid they are. Um, <laughs> and, and that is that, you know, and and I'm not down on this team. I, I think that the Orioles could have a good season. But I think that <laughs> someone's been drinking. I think they're going to have <laughs> have to have a good season with, the you know, with the dates they brought, so to speak. Now, but to be fair, um, Joey Ricard has been pretty decent so far this spring training, at least when I've seen him. You know, he came in rated as an average to above average outfielder, but his range on the outfielder has been pretty good, all things considering. Um, I would say it's, I, I don't want to say it's close to David Lowe, but it's pretty darn good in terms of just range. And I think he has a much better arm than David Lowe does. Um, I've been really encouraged by Joey Ricard. I easily think that he could take over in right field as opposed to Nolan Reimold, who I just have no faith in being able to stay healthy long-term. Uh, I also think that it'd be best if, you know, you're going to put someone in right field. Your best bet actually may be to put Trumbo at first base and Chris Davis at right field, because like we discussed, Trumbo makes me scared, nauseous to be even put him out there in right field. There's triples upon triples upon triples. I just don't see Trumbo ever being a serviceable right fielder. Uh, Did- yeah, um, that to me is sort of a nightmare scenario that, none of us want to see happen. And that's Mark Trumbo and right field with the glove on. Um, well, Derek, I, I love this team. Don't get me wrong. And, and I'm not one of the ones that piles on it, but I, I think that one of the problems in 2015, I, I think one of the mistakes that was made was a lot of wishing and hoping in the outfield. And and you guys have brought up all the candidates, Travis Snyder, David Lowe, you know, on and on and on and on. Lottery tickets. I mean, but, but again, that's the Orioles thing. Ever since 2012, they have picked up lottery tickets Jake, without having Steve Pierce on this team in 2014, the Orioles wouldn't have gone to the playoffs. Without going and getting a player like Nate McLeod, the Orioles may not have gotten to the playoffs. Miguel Gonzalez. Miguel Gonzalez. Again, the Orioles are known for picking lottery picks up, and it's the aspect of occasionally they work and occasionally don't. In 2015, those choices, basically none of them panned out. Everything basically was snake eyes, snake eyes, snake eyes, snake eyes. So I guess the question is, who is going to be that you know lottery slash fringe candidate that's going to basically break out and you know be an, a, a, a pseudo all star to a certain regard for this team? And um, I think most people have looked at in terms of like the starting rotation, Kevin Gossman having that breakout season. I mean, Derek, do you think that Kevin Gossman actually can take that step forward and become? I hate to say it, the ace that this team needs. Um, let me go back to the outfield just for a second. Sure. I was. You know, I wanted to sort of pile on your point. 
for years and years, as you mentioned, Scott, Dan Duquette's thing has sort of been throw a whole bunch of crap at the wall and something's probably going to stick. Last year, nothing stuck. Yeah. As you put it, snake eyes, snake eyes, snake eyes. And as Oreo fans, you know, especially in March, maybe, you know, by July or August, we'll be smacking ourselves for saying this. I, I hope not. I don't think so. Um, I'm like you, Jake. I'm really not down on this team. But we have to sort of tell ourselves that something that they're throwing against the wall in the outfield, something's going to stick. And they are going to get some production from those corner outfield spots, um, unlike last year. Yeah, uh, so I, I guess the long question for the outfield, and then I want to run to Scott's point about the, the rotation. So you don't think it's a mistake that the Orioles aren't really addressing their right field situation with a, a real solution, especially considering the fact that their left field solution is not a not a slam dunk either? Um, I wouldn't use the word mistake. I mean, <laughs> in a perfect world, would they have a proven major league everyday player out there? Yes, but... I feel like as Oriole fans, like we've learned to not expect that kind of thing from Dan Duquette because that's not what he does. He, he picks up, like Scott said, these lottery tickets, and he and we just sort of have to hope that one of them hits. Yeah, the, the one thing, though, with it, it that's interesting, and I'm going to push off my rotation thing, is the lottery ticket thing was an absolute necessity when the team was trying to keep payroll low. But right now, the Orioles have basically thrown precaution to the wind and said, we're going to have to win them within the next two to three years, and we're going to keep payroll high in order for us to succeed. The question is, are they willing to put more money into the team to go out and get that Jay Bruce or Nick Marcakis for $12 million, who may not give you anything whatsoever? I mean, us as Orioles fans are like, yeah, they'll come here, and you know, it's a hitter's park, and they're going to thrive. But the same thing could have been said of Travis Snyder. I mean, it's you have to hope eventually they're going to hit, but at the same point, you know, it, it is a rare instance to continue to find diamonds in the rough. Um, I guess we'll see what happens with this upcoming season. I mean, Derek, if you had the choice of basically rolling with the diamonds in the rough right now or going out and trading a few prospects for uh, a Jay Bruce or Nick Marcakis, would you make that move right now? I mean, um, it's your money. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. It's tough, man. Like, I was really stoked about the Dexter Fowler thing. And by the way, I, I want to thank you guys for trying to get to the bottom of that on last week's episode. That was very entertaining stuff. Um, awesome with the alibi. Hey, you're the one um, that listens. But, That's awesome, Derek. <laughs> that uh, that Taco Bell lineup, man, it had me excited. And now it's just it, it just sort of falls apart like a Taco Bell taco that you left in your fridge for a day. Um, without Fowler, you know, what's the glue there? And if, if I was lit, if I was to wake up tomorrow and, you know, see that they had pulled the trigger on a trade for Jay Bruce, would I be happy? Absolutely. But I've sort of learned to not delude myself into thinking that that's what's going to happen. I think the thing is weird about, about Jay Bruce is again, for the past two years, he's been absolutely hot garbage. And the whole thing that people really loved about Dexter Fowler was, his ability to take walks. And Jay Bruce is not going to give you that ability to take walks. So I guess the question is, like, Nick Marcakis would be an obvious person to say, oh, he can take walks. But the concern from, I'm going to say it, Derek, the concern from the nerds would be that if he's not showing that power like he did last year, you feel like pitchers are going to basically be a little bit more aggressive with him and basically try to overpower him and say, 
hey, if you really can't hit the ball that hard, then, then I'm going to basically throw a fastball right down the middle of the plate, and I'm just going to take your weak line drive and throw you out, as opposed to trying to pitch around you to a certain regard. I don't know if Jay Bruce solves that problem. I still think it ends up with, if you go out and get Jay Bruce, I still think Manny Machado is your leadoff hitter. And it was the fact of Dexter Fowler coming in and potentially being that leadoff hitter and shifting everyone down from Machado to second, Jones to third, Davis to fourth, Trumbo to fifth, is what really made that Taco Bell lineup so runny. Jake is just literally shaking his head yeah, right now. Absolutely. And it was fun to think about, and it, it was snatched out from under us. And now we're sitting here talking about Kim going 0 for 30 and trying to figure out who's going to bat lead off if it's not Manny. And, yeah, man. All right, well, let's, Disappointing. let's, let's, let's squirt on over to the uh, Gossman topic. <laughs> All right. Rapid-fire pitching questions, because I actually want to talk about something you wrote this week. Rapid-fire pitching questions. Oh. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yes or no, no equivocation, no neutral zone here. Yes or no, does Gosman take a step forward this season? Yes. Why? You said no equivocation. No. Nope. <laughs> that, that's what Jake says. I say why. Um, I don't know, man, because he's a good pitcher. And it, because it, he it has to? to watch, watch him go through you know what he went through last year for a little while. Um, I think the only way he takes a step forward is if he actually figures out how to throw that curveball or the slurve or however he wants to call it. But until he gets that third pitch, Kevin Galston's nothing more than a fourth starter, and he's really got to master that that third pitch. So if I'm watching something during spring training this season, coming back to our first topic, I'm watching when he's throwing that slurve because if that slurve looks good, then I think that Kevin Gossman can really take a step forward. If that slurve is not there this year, Kevin Gossman's at best a number three or number four starter. And, and he's lost the glasses, so he doesn't have the wild thing going for him. Okay, next rapid-fire question, because yeah, we're doing such a good job with this yes. so far. That's what Bird's Eye View is all about, is really good, timely questions. How much will the Orioles get from Gallardo this season? Um, I expect Gallardo to do what he does every year, make his 30, 35 starts. Um, I think he'll fill in for Chen admirably. I think, you know... He'll win 12 to 14 games. He'll annoy us by not being able to go deep enough in games, which we're all very used to. Um, but I think, you know, sort of the corner that the O's painted themselves into, that was a deal that they had to make, physical notwithstanding. Yeah. I think this is a dangerous topic in terms of Giovanni Gardo because when you say, I think he's going to admirably make his 30 to 35 starts, I think back to the aspect of, Rodrigo Lopez admirably made his 30 to 35 starts for the Baltimore Orioles. And I don't know if I really want to be like admirably. I see like an admiral on a sinking ship going down with it and being like, well, at least I stayed on the ship ship for as long, as long as I could. Yeah. But to be fair, I mean, Rodrigo Lopez would have been much better off with this offense and defense than he was in 2004. I think you're failing to realize how bad Rodrigo Lopez really was. That's true. Yeah. yeah. All right. You're shining a <laughs> there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob started on opening day at least once, didn't he? Maybe twice, three times, yep. three in four years, oh. I think. And just like Richie oh. Ross says, that's how a pitcher should be measured. You know, we and Chen never op- started in opening day, so really, that means he's not a very good pitcher. Didn't Rodrigo Lopez start the game where it snowed on opening day? I think he did, actually. Absolutely, he did. Yeah, yep. I think he did. I, I I know my my Getty images. All right, last question for the pitching. All right, last quick fire. 
which other guys within the pitching bullpen or rotation are going to bounce back this year? Um, I think Tillman bounces back. Don't you? If he can actually pitch a game. I, I don't know if he does, but that's a good answer because we need that to happen. <laughs> yeah. What I'm hoping for, actually, from a player that bounces back is that the Orioles trade Miguel Gonzalez, get Andrew Kashner, and Miguel Gonzalez blossoms out there in the National League West, and Andrew Kashner leads the Orioles to a playoff. But I don't know anybody else that's really going to bounce back. Brian Mattis, maybe, Jake? That's enough out of you. <laughs> Derek, ignore Scott for a moment. I need you to tell me something. What's Woba? What's up? <laughs> you, you wrote an article this week, um, and, and it, it struck a chord with me. It was basically a stats for dummies column on Woba, and I wanted to, to get you to talk a little bit about that. What was your idea behind this, uh, This uh, what I hope will become a series? Yeah, man. Um, so I listened to you guys, and Scott's always – rambling about Woba. And so in the past, I've looked it up, you know, you put Woba in the old Google machine and all right, now I know what Woba is, but for whatever reason, it doesn't stick. And then the next week I'm listening to the show and Scott's talking about Woba again. And what the heck is Woba? And for, for whatever reason, it was sort of a mental block for me. So I I decided that, you know, if I, I really wanted to know what this thing is, let's write about it. And you know, sort of rote repetition. Um, I don't want to say too much like it was being in school again, because that's the sort of thing that I know turns us non-nerds off to the whole saber thing that you have to sort of study for it. But it was fun. And now I think I know what Loba is. It's useful. Um, just like a lot of these fancy stats, as long as you don't, you know, try to shove a square peg in a round hole and use it just to say that you, you know, woba, 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 you know, understand its limitations, have fun with it. It's just another way to talk about baseball, and how can that be a bad thing? I mean, my aspect is it always comes back to when I talk woba, I think woba, again, like you post in your article, is a better representation of offensive production than a multitude of other stats. We always see, you know, the beat writers now have gone to on-base percentage because they finally got out and watched Moneyball, and they're like, you know what, that Brad Pitt guy, he's a pretty good actor. And if he's talking about OBP, then I think I'm going to mention on-base percentage as well. He spent a lot of time in his truck in that movie. That must mean something. Yeah, I, I also think that, you know, they just, you know, like the music and everything like that. But anyway, you know, on-base percentage is great. You know, it's a great stepping stool, you know, tool. But again, if you're looking for something that actually is a better reflection of offensive talent, I think Woba is a much better aspect of offensive talent, top to bottom. And it comes back to the Orioles. And, you know, I've talked about this before. And, Derek, if you ever want to sit down over a beer and talk Markov chains, we can do so. You don't want to do that. Yeah. But um, but anyway, <laughs> you know, on-base percentage is great. But this team is not an on-base percentage team. So, for example, a player like Dexter Fowler, people are like, all right, we got Dexter Fowler. He's, he's going to walk. He's going to have a high on-base percentage. That's exactly what this team is going to need. But in reality... Getting one player on this team that actually has a high on percentage or a walk percentage is not something that really makes a significant dent. In fact, you can easily outpace that by just going out and getting someone that actually has a better WOBA or weighted runs created plus in order to make up for it. So a walk is nice, but you know what's really nice in the American League East? The dong. So if you've got a whole team that is a, of a team that can hit dongs, you basically continue to put people on there that can hit extra base hits and dongs because 
If you're not going to hit for contact, you need to be able to hit that one big hit one time in the game. And uh, that's a lot better than getting somebody on base. I mean, Derek, you and I used to joke all the time on Twitter when we're watching Orioles games of how many times did the Orioles have a leadoff walk last last year and then they did nothing with it, nothing at all. And that comes back to the whole thing of that's why you have players that can actually hit home runs because when they actually do hit that home run when someone's on base, it's two runs as opposed to being like, well, we got two walks and then uh, we left people on base. And that's why power hitters are sometimes beneficial over just putting another person that can get have a high on base percentage. So that's been my nerd uh, category here with Derek Arnold. Jake, thanks for joining us. And uh, <laughs> Now, Derek, are you planning on making this a series? Yeah, um, it's funny. Like um, The other night, I actually got a tweet from D. Tom Tango, who invented Woba. Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought he was going to be you know, sort of laughing at me and calling me a dum-dum, which I fully deserve. But all he said was, if you want to compare to league average, use what is weighted runs created plus. Mm-hmm. And Scott, Scott mentioned a minute ago, he always talked about it. So I'm thinking that'll probably be the next one that I can Googleize and try to dumb down as much as possible so I can understand it and hope that other dummies like me will be able to understand it as well. Well, here, here's what I recommend. Derek, we, we do a, a segment during the season. We don't do it in the off season, obviously, uh, which is uh, fantasy boss where we go head to head every week on a, oh. a stat. Right. And I have yeah, learned, absolutely. I've learned more about about stats during that process than anything else, and and that's exactly what I loved about your article, and what I I hope becomes of this series because I I think that you did a really good job breaking it down to the rest of us, so to speak. But the thing about weighted runs created plus that I like, and any of the other I'll call them normalized stats, is that our problem in, with stats from us who are who we who are not nerds is that we don't know what the the levels are. Right. If you look, if you look at home runs and average and RBI, any fan of baseball over the last hundred years knows what's league average, what's pretty good, and what's really good. Right. Two hundred or two fifty, three hundred, three twenty. When you talk about average, right? We don't really know. Absolutely. We don't know what those stats are for things like WOBA, and that's one of the things I liked about your articles because you talked about what's league average, what what's good, et cetera, et cetera, and you, you lean on those those averages from from fan graphs. But the thing about these normalized stats, so to speak, like weighted runs created plus, like ERA plus, is that you can just take 100, right? And 100 is, is about league average. And then above that or under that, you get a pretty good idea of how a player compares to the rest of the league just based upon that number. And there's nothing magical about it, and there's nothing scary about it. If it's over 100, you're better than, than normal. If it's under 100, you're worse than normal. And uh, that's one of the reasons I like Weighted Runs Creative Plus, because not only does it take a lot of things into account, not only do, do I think it, it captures a lot of things about... It's almost a, like it's a weighted metric or something like that. production. Yeah. It puts it in a very easily comparable uh, framework, and really, that's all that stats are. That's the language of our comparison. Did you really just say that you weren't a nerd, by the way? Not about stats. Oh, not about stats. Okay. I just want to make sure that we were clarifying that for, the, for our audience. Derek, I need I need you on this. I need you to yeah, evangelize <laughs> for the stats for the for the rest of us. All right, I, I need you to be to be on the stat guard from the outside because I've failed at that. This is your task to bear. Basically, is to represent all you non nerds and basically put it in perspective. So 
we're here for you. We're here to support you. So you just let us know what we can do to support you. And I will give you all kinds of crazy acronyms in the future for you to research. And, yeah, and no I will learn anything. No pressure. No pressure at all. Derek, what else do you guys have going on over at Utah Street uh, Report uh, now that the season or the preseason is really starting to pick up? Uh, so, yeah, um, now that it's going, um, we have a guy down there named Craig Landefeld. Um, he's an independent photographer. He's nice enough to send us um, beautiful photos that he takes of Ed Smith Stadium, spring training games, players, all this good stuff. Um, he sends those usually a few days after the games because he has to do what whatever his photographers do make the, the uh, photos nice and pretty. Um, so just today I posted pictures from Saturday night's Braves game, some great shots in there. Those should be going up a few times a week. Um, the crayon eater, Ryan Blake and I are um, sort of collaborating on a post here in a couple of days. I don't want to, um, I don't want to tease it too much, but I think it'll be fun. I think fans will like it. Um, and then later this month, Ryan is also doing uh, last year he did Orioles bracketology, like the top 64 players, I think he did. And this year, um, him and a friend who writes for those Uncensored, another cool podcast, um, they are doing a March Madness-style tournament of best Orioles games of all time. Oh, so that's keep an a good eye one. for that later this month. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. All right. Well, with that, Derek, thanks so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And uh, keep up with the uh, research on the Nerd Stats. I'm here to serve on a uh, consulting basis. I uh, can be pay- paid in beer, basically. So uh, it's, it's pretty cheap. Well, actually, I take that back. It's not really cheap at all. But come find us in the concourse, and you can uh, you can pay that off, Derek. Absolutely, man. My pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me. And I will see you in hopefully less than a month at Oriole Park for real games that count and games that the Orioles will hopefully actually pick up some Ws. Great, Derek. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the good, the bad, and the ugly is back once again. I'm going to start off this week because I can. I'm going to go with my good for this week because, Jake, I think your good is actually a little bit better. So my good for the week is going to go to Joey Ricard. I think Joey Ricard, as a Rule 5 pick, has really stood out more so than any other Rule 5 pick has been in the past few years. So Joey Ricard, you get my good for the week. Keep up with the good work. Not to mention, my nickname for you is going to be JoJo. All right, my good this week goes out to none other than Caleb Joseph. Now, you've seen this. Yeah. You have seen this on the Twitters. You have seen it in uh, everywhere baseball is reported. Uena Cespedes has shown up with a different car or motorcycle or horse every day of the week. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a player spending his money in the way that he sees fit, right? There is no problem with a player flashing a little green, having a little panache, having a little style. Look, it might not work for you or me, but... You do you. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to hate you on that. Right. This is why, however, Caleb Joseph is the man. Yeah. 
Caleb Joseph has been driving to spring training day in and day out in a $700 pickup truck. He didn't want to have to pay to bring his to have his own car transported to to Florida. Yeah. He didn't want to have to buy an expensive vehicle. Caleb Joseph bought a $700 pickup truck on Craigslist. It's a $700 pickup truck that he argued the price down from 1000 and had his brother Corbin, who apparently knows a thing or two about a thing or two when it comes to automobiles, do a little bit of elbow grease on. Caleb Joseph, you are good this week and this year. Yeah. Bravo, Caleb Joseph. Bravo. All right, my bad for the week. I'm going to go with Steve Tollison with his two fingers and uh, making three errors. So Steve Tollison, grow some fingers and catch that ball. Steve Tollison, you're bad this week. It's not going to matter too much, but Steve Tollison, you're bad. Jake, go ahead. I'm going to cheat this week. I'm not going to do bad. Okay. I'm not going to do bad because I think that there are too many fans panicking. Look, we could pick apart every single bad thing that's happened in the spring, I think you picked out a really good one when you singled out Joey Ricard for his surprising spring performance thus far. Thus far. Yeah. Look, if, if you look at, at players, there are some bright spots in spring training right now. Everyone laughs that Ryan Flaherty is doing as well as he does because he always does in the spring. But look, Jonathan Scope is also having a pretty decent spring. Now, he only has 11 at-bats so far, but he's batting over 300. He's got three RBIs. He's hit a home run. I'm going to right now focus on the things that don't make me sad. So I'm not going to pick out a bad this week. All right. This is our game. I'm making the rules. That, that's a great way to start good, bad, and the ugly for the year. Congratulations. Jake, my ugly for the week is going to be... The weight. We talked about this earlier this year, saying it's the hardest part. Getting to spring training, you're just like, I just gotta get to spring training, I gotta get to spring training. But now you're just in the weight of watching baseball, and you're like, oh, it's so close, it's kind of there, but it's really not there. Um, and because you know, like for example, it's Monday, there was no games on radio, there was no games on TV, and you knew baseball was going on, but you couldn't be a part of it. And it's not having that ability just to put it in the background as it's a spring or summer night and let the air waft through your house. Baseball's so close and it is so difficult to not have in our lives right now. That's what's ugly in my life right that, now. That's a good ugly. Yeah. My ugly, my inaugural ugly for 2016 is me, Scott. Oh, I am ugly time. this week. And when I tell you, I'm not sure you're even going to want to continue this podcast. Okay. I have let so many people down this week. My son oh. is five years old. He is. And he came to me and he said, Dad, when are the Orioles coming back? Oh. When will there be Oriole games on TV? And I was really excited because my son and I were going to sit down and we were going to watch baseball. Yeah. So my ugly this week goes to my own lack of research and the hapless victims that are affected by it. Because this is what happens. There was a tweet this weekend, I think this was Sunday. It's a tweet from the Orioles saying that there was a game and you could catch it on the radio uh. and you could catch it wherever, including MLB TV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what did I do? What'd you do? I went to my son, my five-year-old son, and said, Henry, there will be an Orioles game on TV today and we will be able to sit down and watch it. How'd that go? Henry and I go down to the basement where the big TV lives. Uh. We settle down on the couch. Yeah. 
Henry wearing his Orioles garb. Yeah. Wearing his five-year-old Orioles garb. This is, sits down. This is you a week removed from saying, I can't wait for my son to play baseball and how excited he is. I turn on the television. I turn it to the MLB network only to find that it is not an Orioles game. Yeah. It is a Nationals game. Yeah. I assume that in Washington, where the Nationals are precluded from playing on national television, they were playing the Orioles game. That is my assumption. But on the same day that the Orioles tweeted out, there was a... Or it was on MLB.TV. I told my son there was a baseball game on TV, and there wasn't. All right, so I'm going to make this up to you. It's a bad, bad day for us. I'm I'm ugly. I'm going to make this up to you. I'm going to save your son's childhood going forward and basically preclude you from having child services called against you. So when we leave tonight, and maybe I'll put this on the website, I'm going to put up a spreadsheet of all the games for the rest of spring training so that you can see which games are where. And Jake, I'm going to do you another favor. I'm going to give you my MLB.TV account information so you can stream it directly to your TV so that your son can actually watch TV and watch some Orioles baseball. Because real reality, he deserves to be heartbroken, not because baseball is not on the television, but because he's an Orioles fan. Okay? Let's let's get this started in the right fashion. And So I am ugly this week. Yeah. And with that, let's go ahead and get ready to blow the save. Sad. This is this is sad, sad blowing the save music. Well, it's a sad topic to be fair. So, uh, wanted to basically personally give my condolences over to the Mets organization. Shannon Ford passed away this week, and I think it's kind of important to note. Um, you know, it's been two years and five days uh, after Shannon Ford passed or Shannon Ford passed away. It was two years and five days since we lost Monica Barlow. I think it's important that Orioles Nation. Uh, realize how many teams went above and beyond their way to pay tribute to Monica Barlow. And the Orioles did so also to Shannon Ford, um, basically had a moment of silence for them in Sarasota. Um, you know, it, it's a sad shame to see someone that was 44 years old uh, lose the fight to cancer and having two kids in the process. Um, the only thing I can say to that and just blowing the save is, like we always say, F cancer. It's a, it's a terrible thing. So spend some time with your kids, spend some time with your family. Get them to watch Orioles baseball and MLB TV, unlike Jake. And uh, with that, I mean, that's pretty much all I have for this blowing the save. Um, here's to you, Shannon Ford. Thanks for everything you did. Um, moving on. Baseball is going on, I guess. And at least faux baseball. Faux baseball, yeah. Um, but there will be a game on Masson tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock and also on 105.7 The Fan, so you can go and listen and watch baseball and get caught up in everything that's going on. Here, I'm going to put the guarantee out there. The Orioles are 0-7-1 right now. I guarantee the Orioles are going to win on Tuesday. Guarantee They're never it. winning another game. The Orioles are going to win tomorrow, and the Joe Angel is going to say, win column. It's bird in the win column. So go ahead. Jake, I have nothing left after that. I can guarantee nothing. Baltimore and beyond, I bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. A guarantee? Guarantee.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.